When you stop and think about all that's going on here in the good old USA today, you might think that there are only two sides to every story. With over 327 million citizens, there are actually many more sides to our American story. On this program, I provide you with a different point of view, mine. This is The Truth Hurts, a program where I exercise my First Amendment right to free speech by providing you with information. Hopefully, you will absorb this knowledge, stop, and actually think about the issues, the facts, and the general state of our American story. I'm Steve Z, and this is The Truth Hurts Program. Well, we've made it to another Friday. It is the Friday edition of The Truth Hurts Program. I'm Steve Z. And in just a few moments, we'll talk about today's best topics, things to make you think, and look forward to the weekend where you don't have to worry about the news because you're going to be out doing something much more enjoyable. Unless, of course, you're one of those who sits by and watches the network talking heads all weekend long. That's enough to make you want to up your Xanax prescription. We'll be right back. The best part of waking up is listening to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. It is not a cup of coffee. The mantra and motto of the BM movement, I'm sorry, the BLM movement, is if you can't win fairly, cheat. A Black Lives Matter protest organizer is facing felony charges after stealing a Cubans for Trump flag, actually several Cubans for Trump flags, from vehicles parading in a pro-Trump caravan. The thug, Jonathan Gartrail, is charged with strong-armed robbery and escape, along with misdemeanor resisting arrest and obstructing a public street. Why not theft? Why not littering to go along with that? The whiny little man-boy claims that the charges against him were overblown and that the goal of police is to have him in jail for two weeks so he can get beaten up by some cops and distract from his movement. An officer observed Gar Trail forcibly tearing off Cubans for Trump flags from cars driving down the road at a pro-Trump road rally. He damaged the flags and discarded them in the roadway. A cop confronted Gar Trail, but he fled, removed his garments in an attempt to hide himself in a crowd of protesters, but he was later identified by his own stupidity. You guessed it, he posted his illegal actions on Instagram, where the moron actually commented and bragged about what he was doing. He was also posted earlier protesting and organizing a rally in front of Miami PD headquarters. Oh, boo-hoo-hoo, Little Gar Trail got caught and now he has to face the music. Classical music, I hope. When you get paid more to stay home than you actually made working, there's no incentive for you to go back to work. This means that people paid more to stay home will have extra time and extra money 
to do worthwhile community projects and functions, such as rioting, looting, anarchy, destruction of property, robbery, assault and battery, and others, all while getting paid more than they would have gotten had they actually gone to work at a job. A common sense approach to COVID-19 unemployment compensation would be this. If you were making $300 per week at a job working, and now you're not working because of the coronavirus, your state, let's say, pays you $200 a week in unemployment benefits, then any federal stimulus unemployment check should be no more than the $100 difference between your working wages and your unemployment benefits. Of course, the way the unemployment insurance program works as an incentive to get unemployed people back into the workforce is to give them a little bit less than what they were earning when they were working. That way they have some money to pay their bills, but it encourages them, it incentivizes them to search for work as opposed to sitting home waiting on another handout. But we all know that's asking way too much. I mean, especially in this 2020 entitlement, gimme, gimme, gimme society that has been created in advance of our switch from capitalism and free enterprise to the new one world order, socialist, Marxist, communist mindset. When idiots like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, whose entire generation truly believes that food is grown at the grocery store instead of on a farm, when people like AOC review the Republican plan for a fourth round of economic lifeline stimulus programs that were proposed this week by the GOP, the first thing they did, like all Democrats do, they whined, they cried, they pissed and moaned and they bitched. Another quarter for the swear jar. The GOP proposal includes a reduction in the fat $600 bonus checks being doled out to pay people more to stay home than to go to work. The GOP plan also includes $20 billion, with a B, dollars in aid to farmers, direct aid to the people who actually grow your food. But the Dumbocrats have accused Trump of using aid to farmers as a means of pandering to Trump's base. As if the Dumbocrats don't pander with each and every penny that they dole out in welfare, WIC, Social Security, Supplemental Insurance Income, and all the other welfare programs that they use to keep the minorities under their thumbs. They know, the Democrats, they want to see that $600 stay-at-home bonus either continued or even increased, knowing that paying low-income people more to stay home allows them to actually be paid to protest and encouraged to riot. The dummy craps think this will help them in November. The Republican plan does not provide additional aid to local governments, aren't doing a damn thing anyway to help their own cities. And that has the dummy crap Congress people crying foul, along with many dummy crap city mayors and state governors. United States Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin 
who also, by the way, was the executive producer of the Seth MacFarlane movie, A Million Ways to Die in the West. No, really, he was. You can look it up in the credits. Anyway, Steve Mnuchin said, quote, We realize there are a lot of hardworking Americans because of COVID who still won't have a job, and we don't want that to expire. On the other hand, we've said we are in a different situation than last time. The draft proposal details $20 billion in direct payments to farmers, as well as a more generous PPP calculation for farmers and ranchers based on their 2019 gross income. Under the proposal, there would also be a second round of PPP loans for businesses of under 300 workers or within the Small Business Administration's size threshold for their industry that can demonstrate 50% or more lost revenue compared with a reference period. The plan also proposes new working capital loans offered for businesses under 300 workers as an alternative to the second round of PPP, specifying, of course, that the businesses cannot double dip in both loan programs. Additionally, there's funding for efforts to fight the coronavirus in the plan, including $25 billion for testing, $26 billion for vaccine research, distribution, and use, $1.3 billion for workplace training on social distancing. Wait a minute, stop. $1.3 billion to train people to stay the hell apart? Holy crap. $15.5 billion to the National Institutes for Health for labs and research, and $25 billion for the Hospital Provider Fund, among other things. The proposal devotes $105 billion to help schools recover from the pandemic, including $70 billion for K-12 and $10 billion to private schools. Ding, 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 ding. Trigger word. Trigger word. Democrats don't want anything going to private schools because that's where the white privilege kids go. Tough. Steps to protect businesses from coronavirus lawsuits are also included in the proposal. Specifically, it provides for an exclusive federal cause of action that applies to litigation against any business, nonprofit, school, medical provider, or medical professions arising from COVID. It would limit potential damages awarded in lawsuits and raise the standards for determining negligence. Of course, the dummy craps have an answer to that as well. They say limits on aid and efforts to curb lawsuits show that Republicans are more focused on protecting businesses than protecting people. And of course, nothing could be further from the truth. The stupidity continues right after this. The Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. It's like hearing what you are actually thinking. Only with a really cool DJ voice saying it. Do you remember the lies of Barack Hussein Obama when he said, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. Obamacare will reduce your health care premiums by $2,500 a person per year. Remember those lies? They were lies. Remember the, you gotta pass the bill before you can see what's in the bill? The failed Not-So-Affordable-Care Act, known as Obamacare? Obamacare? 
Well, it's reared its ugly failure of a head again amid the COVID-19 hysteria. Much of the maligned mess of a health care program has been ruled unconstitutional by the U.S. Supreme Court, including the key component that expanded Medicare. This left a coverage gap for almost 5 million Americans. Now, with COVID-19 supposedly killing everyone it touches, another lie, According to Jesse Cross Call, a senior policy analyst at the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities, the glitch puts folks between the poverty line and 400% of the poverty line in a position to get premium tax credits to purchase insurance coverage. But he says folks below the poverty line, well, some of them are not Medicaid eligible and don't qualify for premium tax credits. So let me get this right. Obama and Pelosi rammed through the you can't see what's in the Obamacare plan until you pass the Obamacare plan plan. Then when you do see it, you find out it's later ruled unconstitutional, illegal, unlawful. And somehow the Dumbo craps are trying to blame it on Donald Trump. Give me a break. What these morons fail to tell you is that it is individual states who opted out of the Obamacare farce, the requirement to expand Medicaid. Oh, 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 I just found the Trump connection. According to Yahoo Fake News, all of the 13 remaining states who have not expanded the massive, fraud-ridden, ineffective, wasteful, abusive, ineffective Medicaid program were states that voted for Trump in 2016. You knew they'd find a way to dig and dig and dig and dig until they found or created some connection. Perhaps the writers of the article in Yahoo Fake News were never taught about states' rights. They were never taught about the Federalist Papers. Or worse, perhaps they were taught and they choose to ignore the facts. That, by definition, of course, makes them ignorant. Two statues of explorer Christopher Columbus that stood in Chicago parks were taken down early today at the direction of Mayor Lori Lightfoot. A week after protesters tried to topple one of the monuments to the Italian explorer were involved in clashes with the cops. Crews brought in a large crane to remove the statue in downtown Chicago's Grant Park from its pedestal. A small crowd cheered and passing cars honked as the statue came down at 3 in the morning. The second statue was removed about 5.30 from Arrigo Park in Chicago's Little Italy neighborhood. Oh, I bet that pissed off the Italians. In a statement issued after the statues were taken down, the Democrat mayor's office said they were being, quote, temporarily removed until further notice, unquote. It said the removals were, quote, in response to demonstrations that became unsafe for both protesters and police, as well as an effort by individuals to independently pull the Grant Park statue down in an extremely dangerous manner. This step is about an effort to protect public safety and to promote a safe space for inclusive and democratic public dialogue about our city's symbols. 
consistent with various stakeholders, said the mayor's office. Plans to remove the Grant Park statue were first reported Thursday night, you know, last night, very late, by the Chicago Tribune, and the removal followed hours of vocal confrontations between opponents and supporters of the statue. If you recall, back on July 17th, protesters had clashed with police who used batons to supposedly beat people and made arrests after they say protesters targeted the cops with fireworks, rocks, and other items. Stop. (sighs) Protesters were beating cops with rocks, other items, and firing fireworks at them. But the police are the bad guys for using batons? To subdue the protesters? God, what a double standard. (sighs) Stefan Cuevas Casiguano, a resident of Chicago, watched the removal and told the Chicago Sun-Times, this statue coming down is because of the effort of black and indigenous activists who know the true history of Columbus and what he represents. Okay. According to people in support of removal of a statue, both of the statues represent genocide and exploitation of native peoples in the Americas. Pasquale Gianni of the Joint Civic Committee of Italian Americans said the mayor had told him before the removal that both statues would be moved and temporarily housed elsewhere for public safety reasons. The Italian-American community feels betrayed. The mayor's office is giving in to vocal and destructive minority. This is not how the democratic process is supposed to work, Gianni said to WLS Television. Mayor Lori Lightfoot and the city plan to announce a process to, quote, assess each of the monuments, memorials, and murals across Chicago's communities and develop a framework for creating a public dialogue to determine how we elevate our city's history and diversity. Coward, pandering, racist move by an obviously biased, bigoted, racist Democrat mayor who only cares about pandering to her base and does not give a rat's narrow furry ass about anyone else's feelings or opinions. We'll be right back. Listening to the Truth Hurts program is the highlight of my day. Okay, it really is not, but that's what Steve Z told me to say. I am not oppressed because I am a computer. And before we switch gears to the vice presidential possibilities of Joe Biden, I want to mention one more thing about statues. A New Mexico Hispanic leader is upset about the removal of Spanish conquistador monuments, and he's pushing for the state of New Mexico to end its support for two university programs, one being Chicano studies and the other Native American studies. In a letter to University of New Mexico President Garnett Stokes, New Mexico's League of United Latin American Citizens Executive Director Ralph Arianes wrote that the state's largest university should dismantle both of those programs because they teach Latino students self-hate about their Spanish heritage. I guess the cancel culture 
knows no bounds. Okay, listen up because this is very, very important. Any person who is considering, even thinking about voting for mopey, gropey, sleepy, creepy, mumbling, fumbling, bumbling, and stumbling, Joe Biden must consider who his choice for a vice presidential running mate might be. Let me repeat this. This is very, very important. Any person who is considering even thinking about voting for Joe Biden must consider who his choice for a vice presidential running mate might be. If you think Joe Biden is better than Donald Trump, that's your opinion. However, you know, I know, and everyone should know that Joe Biden's mental faculties have been compromised. He is obviously experiencing either the initial or even the early advanced stages of dementia or Alzheimer's or some other cognitive impairment. You must consider that Joe Biden, if elected, will not be in office for very long. The man is almost 78 years of age, and that's something else to consider. He shows it. So it stands to reason that whomever Joe Biden chooses as his running mate will become your next president and most likely sooner than later in his first year in office. What I'm saying here is this. If Biden is elected, he will not be there for very long. The Democrats are doing everything in their power to keep sleepy, creepy, gropey Joe off the cameras and away from the microphones because of his constant gaffes, his constant misspeaking, and his outright lapses in memory. Not only that, but his stupid commentary and his hearkenings back to his past and some of the really racist things he's said and done. They don't want any reporter to have an opportunity to ask him a question off the cuff because without a teleprompter, Joe Biden, like his former president, Obama, can't come up with a common sense answer without the teleprompter. Yes, the media and the Democrats are hoping that Americans will not see Biden's slipping mental capacity and that he'll slide into the White House as a, quote, anybody's better than Trump, unquote, alternative to our current commander-in-chief. Whatever person Biden selects as his running mate will become the president of the United States of America. Make no mistake about it. Look very carefully at the record and the platform and the agenda of whomever is selected as Biden's running mate. That will be far more important than the agenda, the record, and the platform of Biden himself. Because once they take him out, by one means or another, whoever his vice presidential running mate is will be your next president. And it is that direction in which America will be forced For that person is actually the candidate you need to consider. Because, like it or not, Joe will not be in office for very long. Today there was an article about the African-American almost requirement and the female almost requirement for potential running mates for Biden. Remember, he has said he was 100% for a minority female running mate. So some people who think they're important have weighed in on who they think the 
potential running mate should be. Paul Brandis, senior White House Bureau Chief of West Wing Reports, a very liberal publication, said his pick would be Illinois Senator Tammy Duckworth. Now, he says that she, Duckworth, checks all the right boxes. First, the V box, V for vagina. She's a female, so she qualifies. Secondly, Biden says he wants and needs a woman, so she qualifies for that. But secondly, a disability. She is a disabled military veteran. Thirdly, a stance for stricter gun control. Now listen to the stupidity, folks. Illinois, home of Chicago, Senator Tammy Duckworth is for stricter gun control. In a state with the strictest gun laws in America. In a city where they have had record numbers of gun-related killings, primarily in the minority neighborhoods, since 2020 began. I mean, damn near a thousand people have been killed in Illinois by guns with the strictest gun control laws in the country. Sorry, Paul, I think your choice is a bad choice. Ross Baker is a professor of political science at Rutgers University, you know, another one of those liberal think tanks that produces more liberals. He likes Susan Rice, Obama's former administration official. She's, after all, she spent time in the White House under Gropey Joe and Barack Hussein Obama, so why not? Barbara McQuaid, a former U.S. attorney and professor at the University of Michigan Law School, likes Val Demings. Demings, if you recall, is the former Orlando, Florida police chief, and it is the hope of the Democrats that Florida voters in that swing state will recognize her name to sway a few votes in the direction of the D. She, too, checks the boxes of D for Democrat, V for, well, you know, and, of course, B for Black. Podcaster Jason Sattler likes Stacey Abrams and puts forth no real substantive reasons for the pick other than the big V and the big B. Sally Cohn, author of the book The Opposite of Hate, A Field Guide for Repairing Our Humanity, likes Karen Bass of California. Who? Well, Karen Bass of California. You know, the woman who, like Barack Hussein Obama, has been a community crap stirrer, <clears throat> excuse me, community organizer. She, too, checks the boxes of D, V, and B. New York attorney Paul Reyes says Kamala Harris should be the VP. She's kind of black, you know. She kind of looks like a female. And she is, of course, a Democrat. And after all, she questioned William Barr and Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation hearings, so, you know. Brett Decker, author of The Conservative Case for Trump said Biden should pick Gretchen Whitmer to pull in the Rust Belt vote. Rust Belt vote. Ruben Navarrete Jr., a syndicated columnist, says that Focahontas Elizabeth Warren should be second in command. Sure, she's white, but she lied about being Native American, and in a nation where a person with a penis can identify as female, why not? Anyway, you slice it, folks, the mandate of Biden to pick a VP with a V should automatically send up smoke signals of pandering to every male in the nation. Biden has deliberately disqualified 
every single man from being the vice president. Even if there is a highly qualified male, Biden has shut them all out because he wants a D, a B, and a big V by his side as VP. Likely because of public pressure, but more likely because any man would be more of a man, second in command, to Joe Biden. But it doesn't matter who Biden picks to Biden, because in the feeble mind of the 78-year-old, he still sees himself as a brash, young guy kicking corn pops ass at the swimming pool in the 1960s, as he enjoyed having little black kids rub his blonde, hairy legs, because as he said, I like that. That and, of course, groping little eight-year-old girls in pretty dresses and sniffing the hair of every female that walks by. Oh, his wife must be so proud. That's about all I have for the morning edition this Friday, July the 24th, 2020. This is the Truth Hurts program. And as always, sometimes the truth hurts. And of course, I've left out Michelle Obama and Hillary Clinton. Clinton, a D, but not a B, and a questionable V. Michelle Obama, a D, the B, and a very questionable V. Sorry, I couldn't resist. You are listening to the Truth Hurts program. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Here's your host, Steve Z. You have been listening to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Hopefully, we have provided you with engaging, enlightening, and educational information that will allow you to make informed decisions. I know you may not necessarily agree with everything I say, but that's okay in America. The right to express your opinion is guaranteed in the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Just as I respect your right to your opinion, I expect you to respect my right to my opinion. That's how it works. When all is said and done, Usually more is said than is ever done. So if you are actually going to go out and do something today, please make it a worthwhile endeavor. Until next time, this is the Truth Hurts Program.